The Reverend Michael Grant is someone that I met in 2009, I believe, in June of 2009 at St. Pete Beach in uh, Florida. Which, if you're in St. Pete Beach in Florida, you know things are going good. You know, it can't be bad there. So uh, that, that was a conference on church planting that I was at. And there was a group of people from Jamaica there that were learning about church planting. And I was there preparing to uh, come here to Cloquet and learn all kinds of important things about church planting. And, and uh, met a, a man from Jamaica who heard I was from Minnesota. And he was pretty excited about that because he had met some people from Minnesota in 1983. And he had a fondness in his heart for Minnesota since 1983. And there was a short-term missions team that came about two weeks after he went forward accidentally at a uh, evangelistic meeting <laughs> and got saved. I don't know if he'll tell you the story, but it was an accident. And uh, he got saved, and a couple weeks later, a team from Minnesota came, and there was a man in that team from North Central that mentored Michael for a two-week period of time, taught him the books of the Bible, and helped him with that, and uh, never saw him again, but left that feeling in his heart of there are people around this world that love the Lord and that care about me. And so he's carried that with him, and he's went gone from a uh, a ruffian youth to a young believer to a pastor of Good Hope Assembly of God in Red Ground, Jamaica, to the missions director of the Assemblies of God, to the assistant superintendent, to the general superintendent. My friend, if you would welcome the Reverend Michael Grant. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Mike. And can we hear it for your great pastor, tremendous man of God. My friend, really, really appreciate him so much. And I really want to say a big thank you to you for all that you have been doing back home in Jamaica. You have done so much, and you are doing so much more, and we are very, very grateful. So on behalf of the leadership back home, I want to say thank you. The joy is mine to be here with you. Um, as I said last evening, that the first time I came here, you had one service. The second time I came here, you had two services. I'm here in Cloquet for the third time, and now you're having three services. <laughs> and I trust when I get back here, Pastor, you'll be having four services. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Uh, you know, on Friday night, I told you that I will speak slow enough that you can understand me and loud enough that you can hear me. Okay, so I trust that that will be. I have a few minutes to share with you this morning, and I wish to read to you from the book of uh, St. Mark, the 10th chapter, and the verses are 17 through 22, 
and you may follow, the word of God reminds us. And when he, speaking of Jesus, had gone forth into the way, that there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, All these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, And went away grieved, for he had great possessions. 23, and Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. This is the word of God. Today for a few minutes I want to share with you on the topic, You don't have to leave as you came. It's really a choice. You don't have to leave as you came. It is a choice. Uh, and the sermon will cover or answer three basic questions. Namely, who was this man? What was he searching for? And how did he leave the presence of Christ? You know, it is really my belief that nobody ought to go to church and leave the way they came. Nobody at all. It has been really my experience, does matter what church I worship in. It does matter where that church is. I am committed to go there and leave better than I came. Because when all is said and done, the church is really the house of God. It's a place of liberty and a place of freedom. It's a place where needs are met. It's a place where bondages are broken. It's a place where addiction can be loosed. It's a place where sinners are converted. But with all of that being said, I also believe that we are going to live better than we came because of our attitude and approach to the worship of God. I believe that you will agree with me that there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the blood of Jesus. And when we know that there is power in the name of Jesus, and do understand and can appreciate what he has done for us, It gives us that joy to come into his presence and to lift up our hands without wrath or without doubt and just to bless the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that you will agree with me that when the worship of God goes up, 
then the blessings of God will come down. That it does matter how we feel, but when we get into the presence of God, something got to give way. Something have to happen. Because in his presence, there is a fullness of joy. And at his right hand, they are pleasures forevermore. David declares that I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And I will come into his courts with praise. Hallelujah. I will be thankful unto him. And I will bless his name. Because he is the Lord my God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And because of all of that, I have a reason to worship him. So it does not matter if I'm having a pain in my back. It doesn't matter if I'm having a pain in my head. I have a duty and a responsibility to worship God. Because I must never, ever leave as I came. And I'm going to leave better because I'm here to give God glory. With all of that being said, however, the text that we have read tells us about a man who came into God's presence, but he left worse than he came. And the argument is, how could that happen? Because our experiences about the presence of God will tell us that, hey, that can't happen. If we come to him, we must leave better than we came. But here was this man who came into the presence of God, you know, in verse 17, it tells us how, it, how he came. You know, verse 17 declares that, and when he was gone forth into the way, that there came one running. What a joy. What a picture of beauty to see somebody run into the presence of God. And when he ran to his presence, he knelt at his feet, and he popped the greatest question, good master, what can I do to inherit it? Eternal life. But look at the other verse. Verse 22 tells us how he left. So in verse 17, we see how he came into his presence. But verse, 20, verse 22 tells us how he left the presence of God. He declares that he was sad. Wow. Leaving church, being very sad. But why? He went away grieved, for he had great possessions. But quickly, let's ask ourselves the question again. Who was this man? Who was this man who came into the presence of God running? But after receiving a word from God, he left the presence of God sad. I believe that every time we get in the presence of God and get a word from God, it should make us better. It should have made us happy. It should make us glad. David declares that I was glad, very glad when they say unto me, let us go to the house of God. But here he was. He got a word from God. You know what happened? Every time we go to him, we need to get a word from him. But will that word make us better? Will it make us happier? Will it make us a packed and filled with joy and happiness? 
or will that word make us sad? He left the presence of God sad. Who was he? The Bible did not give us a name. And therefore, all of us here can attach our name to this man. All it declares is that there was a certain man. Who was he? The Bible described him as a rich young ruler. A rich young ruler. This young man had four things in his favor that almost everybody would have wanted. These four things are rarely found in any one person. But he had it all. He had it all. Number one, he was rich. He was rich. Which really says that he had what it takes to meet his earthly needs. This man could buy several houses. He could purchase several cars. He had great possessions. He could go anywhere he wanted to go. He could sleep anywhere he wanted to sleep. He had everything that he needed to meet earthly demands. But he did not have what it takes to meet heavenly demands. Rich. Not only that. But the Bible tells us that he was young. And no doubt he was healthy. So, not only that this guy was young. But he, not only that he was rich, but he was young. So, he had a lot of money. And he had a lot of time to spend it. Time was not a problem to him. And money was not a problem to him. Boy, I am rich and I have a lot of time to spend my money. The word of God declares that he was a ruler. So he was rich, he was young, and he was a man of authority. He could shape decisions. He speaks with authority. People people respect and listen to him because of his power on earth. He had the right connections on earth, but he was missing something. As it relates to heaven. Now the Bible tells us the fourth thing that he was religious. Knew about religion. But did not know about Jesus. Knew about religion. But had no relationship with Jesus. Had everything that he needed to make life good on earth. But there was so much that was missing in heaven. So he ran to Jesus. And when he ran to Jesus, he said, Good master. He knew a whole lot but did not have the answer to the greatest question of life. He wanted to find the answer, the greatest answer to the greatest question of life. What must I do in order that I might inherit eternal life? There comes a time when he realized that even though everybody envied me, but in my own spirit, in my own heart, in my life, something else is needed. I am young. I am rich. I am respected. I am religious. I have authority. But deep in my heart, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. 
You know, what do we do when everybody else sees us in one particular light? But I go to my bed and I'm not satisfied. I have all the wealth that I needed, but I'm poor towards God. I don't have a relationship with the one person that I need most in my life. He was empty. And I hear Jesus declaring, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Or how shall we escape if we neglect so greater salvation? Oh yes, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all is righteousness and then all these things shall be added. Something was missing. Can we look in our lives today? What is missing? Can we think of our relationship with God? I'm great at work. I'm great at home. I'm great at church. But something is missing. Am I spending quality time with God? So this man, he ran to him. He addressed Jesus as good master. He realized that at a particular time in his life, he realized that his youthfulness left him unsatisfied. He realized he found out that his money left him unfulfilled. He found out that his morality and religious activities could not satisfy the deepest longing of his soul. What he needed most was how do I make peace with God? Brothers and sisters, when all is said and done, that's the most important thing. Do we have peace with God? The happiest people around are supposed to be those who have made peace with God. We can go to our beds and even though things are missing earthly, but yet we are connected with the most important person, Jesus. So he ran to him demonstrating that I really need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. But he left sad. The Bible tells us that Jesus looked at him. In other words, beholding him, loved him, and said, One thing thou lackest. One thing. One thing. But after that one thing was pointed out, he left the presence of God feeling sad. And the big question is, why? Why he left feeling sad? He left feeling sad because he thought that Jesus was only a good master. And before we can really accept him, we have to know who he is. That he's more than just a good master. He's more than just a superstar. But he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. That he is the savior of a lost and dying world. That with him we can do anything. But without him we are nothing at all. We need to understand that our worship must come from our heart when it relates to worshiping Jesus. The Bible declares that he is a spirit and they that worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. Because the father is seeking such to worship him. He came into Christ's presence but did not know who he was. Do you know Jesus 
when we, wor- when we lift our hands to worship him, do we know who we are worshiping? Is he just a good master? Is he just a good friend? Is he just somebody I need when I'm in trouble? Or he should be my savior, my king, my liberator, my creator, my bridge over troubled waters. Is he your all in all? Back home we do the song, everybody got to know who Jesus is. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is the fairest of 10,000. And everybody hard to know. This young man made a mistake. He came to Jesus but did not know who Jesus was. We can come to church. But do we have a relationship with him? How much do we know Jesus? Not only that. But why he left sad? He left sad because he allowed his riches to control him. He had great possession. But he was not in control of his possession. But his possession was in control of him. Whatever you cannot give up for God controls you. Can I say it again? Whatever you cannot give up for Christ, you are not in control of that thing, but that thing is in control of you. So he left there sad because something controlled him. It was not he who controlled the thing. Because whatever you control, you can give up. But if something controls you, You can't give it up. Number three, as I close, this young man left sad because he was looking for a quick fix. I just want to appease my heart. God, it's Sunday morning and I need to be here. Let me just get a quick fix. I want a little worship, a little word, and I'm cool, man. Are you understanding me? I'm just cool, man. I, got, I went to church. I paid my obligations. I went. It's a quick fix. But life with Jesus is for the long run. It's not a quick fix. You know, every day with Jesus must be sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, we need to love him more and more. It's not about silver and gold as Peter and John said. Silver and gold have we none. But such as we have, we shall give unto thee in the name of Jesus. I want us to understand that serving God calls for more than a quick fix. It calls for people who are committed, loving, and serving Knowing for sure that I'm faithful to him. Not until death. But even unto death. Does matter what it takes. I am sold out. And I am committed. My friends. You don't have to leave. As you came today. The choice is yours. But you are going to leave better than you came. Because of your heart's condition. Have you worshipped? Are you worshiping? How close are you to your maker? How connected are you? What are you willing to give up in order for him to have his way in your life? This young man, he was rich. He was young. He had position. He had possessions. 
But the most important thing he did not have was salvation. But he was not willing to give up what should have been given up in order to have salvation. God bless you this morning. Thank you, Pastor. You know, Michael, I would love it if you would share this story that you shared at the end last night okay. of, that, of that man that you met. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's hear his story. It'll fit in nice. We're going to be taking communion here in just a moment. But uh, tell that story. Okay, thank you, Pastor. I do obey leaders, all right? <laughs> he is my pastor. I'm going to be cloquet. So whatever he says, your word is my command. <laughs> you know, um, about 18 months ago, I was driving from Kingston, heading to my home in the... I'm a country boy, all right? Uh, so I heading to, 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 to my home in the country. I got a call from this man, who, based on Jamaican standard, was a wealthy man, had a lot of money. And back home, we said the man had money like Bush. Okay, you don't understand that term. Okay, but he had a lot of money. But he called me to tell me that doctors had given him six months to live. His body was covered with cancer. I got my wife and we drove to his house as quickly as we could. And we sat with him. And we really wanted to pray with him. But he said, no, I've lived my life without God. I'm religious. I'm not a Christian. So really... In other words, save your prayers. I don't need it. You know, I just want to plan for my families because he was going through his third um, family you now, th- third wives, and there are three sets of children, etc. And he just wants me to help him plan through all of that. But we convinced man said, Sir, please let us pray with you. And he gave in. We laid hands on him and we prayed for healing and we felt the connection. When we prayed. Two weeks after the prayer. He went back to see his doctors. And they said. Hey where have you been? There is no cancer in your body. They ran the test over. And there was no cancer. And the doctor said. Hey I tell you what happened. We have made a mistake. When you came the first time. We gave you the wrong docket. It's not yours. You didn't have any cancer at all. He called me back and he said, Hey, Pastor, <laughs> here's the deal. The doctors gave me the wrong docket the first time. I didn't have cancer. So I said, Sir, please, God has healed you. Be thankful. Give him praise. He said, Why? I didn't have cancer. The doctor said it. I begged him. Because in talking with him, I felt the judgment of God coming down on this man. Who had refused to be thankful to God for a miracle that God did for him. So he refused to give God thanks. The most he did was to tell me thanks for the prayer. But God, you didn't heal me. You didn't heal me. I was very sad. When Tom, I told my wife, and uh, we, we were very sad. Two weeks after he told us that, he fell sick. Again. He went back to the same doctors 
who told him that they gave him the wrong docket. Didn't have cancer. And this time they said, sir, we have sad news for you. You have two weeks to live. Cancer has taken over your entire body. He called me again. And he said, uh, Pastor Grant, uh, went back to my doctor. And they have given me two weeks to live. Um, can you baptize me? Can you baptize me? At that particular time, I knew I could not even approach my heavenly father again. Because this man has brushed him aside. So I told him, I said, sir, if you meet me at my church at certain time, it shall be done. You know, before I got to the church, he was there waiting to be baptized. I led him in the sinner's prayer. There was absolutely no breakthrough from God to say I should pray for healing this time. So I prayed for his salvation. I baptized him. And in two weeks time. He was dead. I committed the body. Feeling so sad in my heart. That this man had a chance to accept Jesus and live a very good life. But refuse to accept Jesus. Healing that is. And to move on. With all of that being said. Whatever he has done for you. Don't give the glory to somebody else. But always give the glory to God. God bless you.